0: Hello everyone, this is Elizabeth from Methods in Ecology and Evolution and today I'll be speaking with Greg McInerney about a paper he's co-authored in Methods in Ecology and Evolution entitled Fine Scale Environmental Variation in Species Distribution Modeling, Regression, Dilution, Latent Variables and Neighbourly Advice. Hello Greg. Hi Elizabeth. So what did you set out to achieve in this paper? Well, it's part of a larger body of work where we're trying to explore and validate new types of species distribution modelling, sort of a species distribution modelling 2.0. Species distribution modelling has lots of errors which are inherent in the modelling process, and this is largely due to the species distribution models being at very large scales and because of the correlative uh, approach to modelling. So at large scales, you might not have information on uh, biotic interactions or spatial dynamics at those scales. But also something which is much more overlooked is the measurement errors, which were inherent at that large scale. So species distribution models use large scale data. So typically uh, maps with very large grid cells. So we might uh, characterize a whole area as being warm. But within that area, there might be a lot more texture to the environment. So there might be cooler places within that warm cell or hotter places within that warm cell. So if we're thinking about where a species actually occurs, it might uh, actually be occurring in a cold part of a warm cell or a warm part of a cold cell. So this uh, introduces some measurement error into the modelling process. So this was the thing that uh, that we're particularly interested in this paper. So this is part of a framework which we're trying to develop that has solutions to a lot of these different errors and in this case we are uh, focusing on fine-scale heterogeneity. So if you imagine that a species is living in a hot part of a cold cell and a cold part of a hot cell, you can see that uh, you might assume that a species has a broader tolerance uh, to temperature than it actually has in reality. And this is uh, a well-known statistical phenomena called regression dilution. So there are a lot of solutions uh, available uh, to approaching regression dilution, but uh, of those, we selected latent variables. And this is because they're a very f- uh, flexible method, and uh, this hopefully allows us to integrate them with other kinds of uh, models at a later stage in our research. So just to explain, latent variables basically treat the environmental uh, state in each of the cells as uncertain. So we assume that there's a measurement value, that's like if we think a cell's hot or not, but also through the prior, uh, we introduce some uncertainty about what the value actually is given that prior in the measurement. So then we treat each of those environmental states as a parameter that we're going to estimate in the model at the same time as all the parameters of the species distribution model. So in this paper, we are looking for uh, uh, to validate these methods to see if we could actually use them in species distribution modeling uh, and provide a proof of concept. And we were also looking for opportunities to expand these methods. So, we also developed the method where we looked at uh, multiple species simultaneously, so in that case, the species uh, each of the species informs the environment uh, parameters the these latent variables that we're trying to estimate, and those estimates make better estimates of the species parameters so if that makes sense there's like a feedback between uh, the knowledge uh that we have on those parameters for the environment and the species. So that process actually makes our estimate of all species better and the environmental states better. So to summarize, we wanted to work for a proof of concept that demonstrated these methods. And we took a virtual ecologist approach where we simulated all the data from known models with known parameters. And that allows us to validate the models given that our assumptions are true. And we chose to uh, use these latent methods because they're facilitated by uh, the Bayesian methods that we're trying to explore other solutions with. So what other benefits does a Bayesian approach offer species distribution modelling? The short answer is lots. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bayesian methodology is very flexible in terms of the data that you can use. In this paper, we use presence-absence data, but there are methods that, we could use, which would introduce uh, abundance data or other kind of counting information. So being able to exploit more diverse data resources is obviously an advantage. And within the Bayesian uh, framework, we can also build models which are process models. So potentially, at least, uh, the latent variable technique can be integrated with models, say, of biotic interactions that, Uh, people are exploring at the moment including us and also spatial models so within Bayesian methods there is at least the potential for an integrated framework for species distribution modeling and this is the kind of format that might progress species distribution modeling towards that next generation towards a species distribution modeling 2.0 so who will this new modeling technique be most useful to and how will they be able to apply it Well, again, uh, the simple answer is lots. Lots of people can make use of this model, whether they're species distribution modellers or some other kind of ecological modellers. Observation errors are a common issue throughout ecology, so uh, we have to acknowledge that our measurements aren't always the true uh, values of things in the real world, so the measurement process can introduce an error into what we perceive reality is like. And the second part of the question, how will they be able to apply these models? Well, uh, the first part is that we're supplying our code on the methods, in the methods in the Ecology and Evolution website. So we provide a set of examples uh, on there to show you directly how you could apply these methods. And the main thing is to remember that Bayesian isn't as hard as it can seem. A lot of the small components that go into making a Bayesian analysis are actually very familiar to most modelers. So even if someone isn't a Bayesian, then they will be able to apply these methods given a little bit of effort. The example that we provide is a straightforward one, and it could be implemented in other settings. So uh, we supply it within the Visual Studio Visual Studio software, but conceptually latent variables could be implemented in WinBUGS or JAGS or some R packages for Bayesian modelling. So another component we need to be able to apply these uh, methods is knowing something about the environmental within a grid, environmental variation within a grid cell. So. Normally, species distribution models don't uh, take into account any environmental variation. So they assume that everything is homogenous within a cell. So obviously, assuming a little bit of environmental variation is present is probably nearer the, uh, the true situation. But we can get information like that from other sources of information. So within a grid cell, temperature might be highly correlated with it with altitude, so the actual topology of a a grid cell might actually be able to inform what environmental variation is present. So, what would you say to someone who said that it's never going to be possible to predict where species will be in 100 years' time? I'd say you might be right, (laughs) you might be wrong. Uh, At the moment, I don't feel that the full range of possibilities as regards uh, modelling have been explored. So, Bayesian techniques for species distribution modeling have only very superficially been implemented. And this has largely been without accounting for these errors, such as fine-scale environmental variation, biotic interactions, etc. So we don't actually know whether those models can predict what will happen in 100 years' time. And it hasn't really been proved either way. But an important thing to remember is that uh, making predictions are accompanied by uncertainty. So uh, we need to be able to understand that uncertainty in terms of the predictions. So if each of these things is uh, introducing uncertainty into our predictions, so fine scale environmental heterogeneity might cause deviations from our model predictions and the actual truth, we need to combine models which account for all those errors in order to give ourselves the best chance of being able to predict. And it's quite important to remember that it's quite a good prediction that we can't predict. So if our models are so uncertain that we think that our predictions aren't valid in any way, that's actually a really, really useful piece of knowledge. So being able to account for that uncertainty across multiple levels is an important part of actually moving towards that answer of whether we can predict or not. How would you say our work advanced existing methods in ecology and evolution? Well, very proximately, species distribution modelling is an extremely popular form of modelling. Any advance which can progress that really large literature and explore uh, new areas of modelling is obviously quite a contribution to ecology and evolution. Those models are used uh, to make predictions of what the future might be like, but also they're used in a scientific context to, so to actually advance scientific knowledge. So there is a direct link by providing new methods for species distribution modelling to advancing uh, methods more generally. And it's generally a different way of uh, thinking when it comes to modelling. So it poses methodological, technological, and scientific challenges all at the same time. So some Bayesian models might take a lot of effort to actually implement. And also it relies on having computational resources uh, which are appropriate to those models. So the way we tackle these sorts of problems within our group at Microsoft Research, uh, we label it as joined-up ecology. So we have to think about the whole modeling process as a whole so thinking about the theory thinking about the statistics and thinking about the data collection all at the same time and that sort of ethos it, like it is present in ecological modeling at present but we, we wrap it up in a, a way that uh, with Bayesian methods is actually implementable so then from our models we have strong things to say about uh, theory Like, can we actually implement that theory? Uh, We have strong things to say about statistics in terms of uh, what we can predict. And also, we might have something to say about data collection. Well, thank you for coming to speak with us today, Greg. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you for listening. This has been a Methods in Ecology and Evolution podcast on behalf of the British Ecological Society.